Take the usual podcast hosting companies and you'll stay in expensive wonderland. Take the podcast of Matrix hosting and you'll experience a completely different world of whole podcast library hosting. Choose wisely at podcastmatrix.com. That's podcastmatrix.com. Ready to conceive solutions to problems in an atmosphere free of political correctness? Find a new sense of purpose at wadesense.com. That's wadesense.com. Welcome to Wade Sense, the podcast. I'm your host, Wade B. Olson, the Sage of St. Louis. Across from me sits the inimitable, the irascible, always Mr. Mike Wilkerson, the savior of this show. Let the harassment begin. Let the harassment begin. Okay. We normally will talk about a few different things, but I feel the need to just dive right into the topic today because it's extremely pressing. And what I want to address today the abortion ban that has been passed in three states so far, ours being one of them, so Missouri, Georgia, Alabama, and it's the heartbeat bill. I've never been shy about my faith. I'm Christian. I don't have any problem talking about it. But I think that it's very important that today that we come at it from a point of common sense and scientific fact. The question today that I see is the abortion ban. Is this a war on women, or is it defending the defenseless? And I think that that's what we need to explore. And before I even get into this, I think that it's only fair that with full disclosure, I admit that when I was 20, I paid for an abortion with a woman that I was with that was uh, 10 years my senior. There are any excuses. I mean, it, it either is or it isn't right. I think about what that child, well, he'd be... 33, she would be 33 years old today. But I think that with pregnancy being the nature that it is, that you don't know a lot of times until you're this far along, I, I, I think that we need to realistically look at this. I, I won't go with the belief that just because I'm a man, I can't talk about this because I believe to my core in equality. Men and women are equal. It's just a genetic fact that women are the one that carry babies. But I think we should both be able to discuss both issues. That being the case, how I wanted to look at this is that the excuses that that are used that you can't have an abortion ban because of incest, because of rape, because of fetal abnormalities Whatever it is, when you check out the percentages, they are extremely small. The largest percentage by far is it's just for convenience. And I'm not in anybody's body. I'm not in anybody's mind. I don't know what it is. But I just think as a society, we should do a better job of looking out for all aspects of society. And that includes the the unborn. But once again, common sense needs to come into this. And here's how I look at it. You can't say that... It's not a life. If, if, scientifically speaking, if the stamp for life is a DNA code, well, an egg from a woman has her DNA code. The sperm from a man has his DNA code. Combined, there's now a separate person. So that is a separate life form, one. Two, if the law has always been that when 
a woman gets killed either accidentally or on purpose while she's pregnant, that it's two counts of homicide. Well, then the, already in the eyes of the law, that's a separate body. But here's where I'm going to jump off. It is a life, but people already have lives as well. So my feeling is this. If we're all concerned about, and we should be more than anything concerned about the pain aspect of it, my feeling is this. If there should be an abortion ban, it's more like a line in the sand. And that's when you can scientifically prove that the baby can feel pain because they are in the process, depending upon where it is, either either sucked out and torn apart or literally cut apart while they're alive. And I can only imagine, I, I don't even want to imagine what that feels like. And here's where I come down on this, because here's the thing right now as a society, and the argument always comes back with, well, if you are pro-life, how can you possibly support the death penalty? If you're just looking at it across the board, maybe that makes sense. As a society, we should be ferociously protective of the young and weak and the old and old people. That means that when someone in our society no longer exhibits the ability or cares about their life or anyone else's life and will take it at a whim, that I think as a society, we owe it to ourselves to, one, provide an example where that leads to you, i.e. the death penalty. But as a society, we decided that in the eyes of cruel and inhumane punishment, that a person who's being put down cannot feel any pain in the process. Okay, once again, here's the logic of it. If that's the case... If we have decided that this person who likely has committed, committed some kind of vile act to the point where society has now said, yeah, okay, you're getting, we're taking you out, period, altogether, then it does not make any sense that we don't offer that at least same consideration to the unborn. If they can feel pain, that's the line in the sand that I'm drawing. If they can feel pain, then I really truly do believe that we owe it to the next generation, in, in, this, in this example, this child, to not let them feel pain. Mike, what do you think? What was the question? The question is, is this a war on women or is this defending the defenseless? Both. It is both. Sure. How is it a war on women if, if we've at least made this line in the sand? I, I don't see I, how I, anyone can – here's the thing. I don't see how, with the argument that I laid out, unless you were just completely emotionally driven on this, that what I'm saying is not reasonable. Is it not reasonable as a society? Like I said, it's just design that the woman carries the baby. But I think as a society, we should be looking out for the woman and the baby. It is a separate life form. And as a society, I just think that when you look at it, because if you talk to most women that have had an abortion, they regret it to one degree or another. Sometimes deeply, sometimes it tears them up horribly, to it's like, I really do wonder. Don't you think as a society that the amount of money and effort that we're putting into an organization like Planned Parenthood, which they've done investigations, have had people, including the one in St. Louis, where they called and asked if they could get an ultrasound, which you would think would be a service that would offer to pregnant women going through Planned Parenthood. Yes, you can get an ultrasound, but only if you're going to get the abortion. That makes no sense. It, it, they should be covering, I would think, every single aspect of Planned Parenthood. 
here's my feeling that I, I don't think that as a society, our government should be putting money towards that if it's not going to put the same amount of money in helping women put that baby up for adoption. Or at the very, very least, making sure that it, it's extremely easy to get, uh, uh, like, are you 486? The day after pill. That makes more sense than just about anything. Had unprotected sex, go right here and you can get that pill. Not a problem. Hell, overnight ship it if it comes down to that. What do you think? No, I have nothing to add you <laughs> have, at all. You have nothing. Where's the hole poking? <laughs> how, how do you expect me to hole poke inside of something like this, literally? I mean, like, the, the, the sample is, how many, how many mothers do you know that probably should not have their children? Oh, probably way too many. Okay. So then there needs to be as much money and effort put into helping those babies get to parents that actually want them. And there are a ton of people out there. They're going so far as to go to China to get babies. And I don't have a problem with that. But if there's already babies that are being born here and they make the the process so difficult. The human incubation process of nine months Mm -hmm. is much longer than I think you or I or anybody can actually explain. Now let's add on top that, and this isn't always the case, obviously, Mm -hmm. but if there is either a very broken person, Mm -hmm. if there is a broken body, Mm -hmm. if there is a broken mind, I know what I don't want to have for a developing mother for nine months of a developing fetus, and that's, I don't know, coked up mom. Yeah. Mom that is literally off the rails for nine months while we're waiting for... a baby to be born. I mean, any instance where you've ever seen something befalling a pregnant woman mm-hmm. anywhere, mm-hmm. whether it's of her own doing or not, don't you wish they weren't in that situation? Yeah, but okay, okay. What now? We've talked about this before. It, it, it's like when you use this example. Uh, I remember we were talking about this in uh, when I was coming up with um, um, how to lower teen pregnancy rate, and we were using that example. You say, I you, I remember you saying, I hate using that example because it's such a small percentage. Okay, coked up mom. How big of a percentage of that is what we're talking That's about? That's not what I'm talking about, Wade. I'm using that as a sample to give you a sample, not that right. there's 800% no, of that. No. So try and understand what I'm saying. I, I don't want a mother that doesn't want a baby to be forced to live out nine months and have a baby. I think that that's a bad move. But as a society... This, this, the, this, as this, a society... The better move would be to somehow profess abstinence. Somehow, yes. for 33 years, Mike Wilkerson was able to still have sex and not have a baby because we didn't want one and couldn't afford one. Right. Then, on my 32nd anniversary, mm-hmm. we talked about having a baby. And guess what happened on my 33rd year? Mm-hmm. Okay. So there was some planning. Mm-hmm. And believe it or not, adulting right. involved in having a baby. Right. And it's because that was built in from both my parents and the schooling that I had. Okay. And that are you going to be responsible or are you going to dip your wick everywhere that you can because you can? Right. It's just a choice. Right. But it is a choice. Okay. So I don't understand where you're coming down on this. I mean, are you basically saying that you think I don't don't want a woman to have a baby and carry it for nine months, be forced to carry it for nine months? That's something I agree with them. We cannot possibly concept that. No. So if you had a gorgeous ham sandwich, okay. uh, an 11-pound ham sandwich on the front of your face for yeah. nine months, are you good with that? Probably not. No. Okay. So what are we talking about? I just think that 
the better move is to learn is to learn and practice and plan what you're going to do with your life. Okay. Rather than letting literally a few moments of excitement right. okay. choose your path. So then that's no fate but what we make. Then it's that's super sh- simple. Then that should be part of the solution then. Is that type of teaching of that type of uh planning. Okay, I can agree with that. But for the cow that's already out of the barn, I think that as a society we should decide, okay, if you feel pain, all bets are off. You, 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 and so all enjoy your nine months of having a baby. There are consequences to your actions. I, wait, I get it, but it's I, just th- like, that you it's somehow just like, think that it's supposed to then be flowers and all kinds of awesome can't wait for the baby to be born and then take no, it from me. No, no, no. Well, you can make up that you can make up your decision if you want to carry the if you want to keep the child or not. Well, no, you're saying you can't. If you want to put up the child for adoption, then once again, this is coming back to to, to teaching to treating people like adults. Okay, there are decisions, there are consequences for your actions. Once again, it's like if, if we taught something like this at a very early age and gave examples, and this being one of those examples, you would have a lot less of this occurring. But that being the case, for the consequence of your action, if you get pregnant, society has decided this is the line in the sand. When this child is, when it's determined that this child can feel pain, when this baby can feel pain, this is the consequence of your action. You need to carry this child to the point of uh, uh, birth and, and put it up for adoption if you don't want it. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm not trying to be a judgmental asshole or anything. I'm trying to look out for all sides concerned. But the thing that I'm the most concerned about is I don't see how, as a supposedly civilized society, we can condone the absolutely barbaric act of tearing a child apart in the womb because it's someone in someone's body. It's in someone's body. It is a separate DNA code. This has already been determined in the eyes of the law and in the eyes of science. I know that I'm pissing some people off out there right now, and I really... I'm sorry. I'm trying to look at this from all sides. See, though, you're not sorry. No, I am sorry. I, I don't think that you are. I'm sorry that I'm pissing people off. It, I'm sorry that I. I'm, I'm sorry that I can't be a woman and go through this. The only thing, the only aspect that I can talk about is is that I paid for an abortion. But also, I know that I remember the girl at the time told me the woman at the time told me that she was. It was so early on in her pregnancy that there was almost nothing there. So most likely that baby felt nothing. So do I, 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 do I wish I could have met this child considering the monsters that I raised? Uh, maybe not, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I just think there's a society we, we need to look out for all people, all parties concerned. And that's not just the women. That's, that's the babies that they're carrying. As far as Mike as I can go, we would absolutely love to hear Taxi! your input on this. Please get a hold of us at wadesense.com. We will be right back with more Wade Sense. Wouldn't it be cool if your advertising could last forever? It can, with perpetual advertising. Here's how it works. Magazine, radio, and television ads are efforts that people might see or hear once, and then they're lost forever. 
Perpetual advertising provides you with the chance for repeat exposure and replayability weeks, months, even years after it's originally inserted inside a podcast. So even after your advertising is included in a podcast years ago, those efforts are still impactful, providing you with true return on investment. Real impact, thanks to perpetual advertising. Are you ready to change the way you and your company or organization advertises? Find out more and launch a unique perpetual advertising effort right now by visiting twoguystalking.com forward slash sponsors. The Two Guys Talking Podcast Bug, a truly original autonomous mobile recording solution. Get bit by the podcast bug. www.podcastbug.com Make your podcast soar with the Editor Core. The one question every podcaster needs to ask themselves is, why am I still editing my own podcast? We all know that editing your own podcast is the worst part of the podcast experience. Get the editing off your plate and reclaim more time to make more content with the Editor Core. Affordable, talented, experienced podcast editors are ready to take your podcast literally to the next level to make it soar. Make your podcast soar with the Editor Core. EditorCore.com. That's EditorCore.com. And we are back. We are on to easily probably the biggest time waster, but I don't care. I tend to have fun doing it, and I know Mike is always covering up or, or finding some bizarre stuff on his own yeah, never a waste of time it's all research it's all research is that what you call it research. okay i tend to get a lot heavier stuff but uh, mike is always finding weird cool stuff so we both add something interesting do you know who candace owens is doesn't ring a bell why don't you tell me candace owens is a young black woman who was part of really the the trump phenomena she was pretty much had been a hardcore liberal her whole life Trump got into office. Uh, she got her uh, own leg, started looking around, doing her own research, uh, became a part of Turning Point USA, mm -hmm. uh, Charlie Kirk's organization, which is basically going around to campuses all over the country and now into Britain, espousing um, conservative principles and just teaching the kids something that they're not hearing. Anyway, Candace Owens now has her own talk show called The Candace Owens Show and on Perry University. I was watching a show that she just did with a gentleman by the name of Imam Mohammed Tawidi who is basically, I guess you would call it a moderate uh, Muslim reformer, but it was a really fascinating talk. He really gives an insight into the Muslim community and, and what he's gone through. And there were some really interesting insights. One of the ones that I thought was the most fascinating because she was asking him about the Muslim birth rate and how it's quadruple everybody else's. And he said that you'll be surprised to learn some things. He said, the biggest problem is actually for Muslims that are already in this country that have already assimilated. They, they come from these countries and they come into communities that are already assimilated. You've already got doctors and lawyers and engineers. And we say to them, because they go immediately to the mosques because that's what their community is. And we say to them, why are, why are you here? We, we, we left these countries to get away from you. So it was actually a bigger problem for them. But he talked about also how he's starting to see inroads into what it is that he's doing. He's basically trying to preach that there were two uh, Gospels of Muhammad, one that was more violent and one where uh, it showed the man to be more reasonable. And he talks about how 
he's trying to turn people to see that there was another aspect than the violent one, and he's to the point where his life is under threat. Candace asked him, she said, is it possible for there to be a reform? And he said, no, I have to tell you no. He said, in the time of Mohammed, his grandson saw what was happening, how the the faith had, had, had gone to like 53 different countries and there was all this barbarism and it just it had gone completely in the wrong direction. And he tried to turn it around and what they did to him and his family was extremely creative in uh, taking his life and the lives of his family. So he said if the, if the prophet's grandson, and in Islam, the grandson is the son, if he couldn't get it to happen, there's no one who's going to be able to make it happen. But he said privately, now, today, talking to people, he was hearing that they were sick of their religion. They were sick of how things were going. And there was this, this, this move for a more moderate outlook. It's just, it was really, really fascinating, and I learned an awful lot. So if you've got time, I know you particularly, you're not really into the long interview shows. I'm having a blast following them and learning all different kinds of aspects of different people. Mike? Well, sure, my first shallow choice with no <laughs> real reason or social reverence is the most important surviving General Lee from the television show Dukes of Hazard. Oh, tell me it is surviving. It is. It's spectacular. Okay. I'm, I'm totally biased now as a Charger owner, but yeah. the, the, the program has so many hallmarks of being free. For, for, for people that can remember first getting your first bike mm-hmm. and, and the, the freedom that that offered, well, that coincides very much so with that television program coming on, on television. Then, of course, you get your first car, and the first instantaneous moment that we had is children back then was my god i'm now the driver of the general lee Mm. how fast can i jump this (laughs) civic (laughs) luckily i never had anything that uh, powerful (laughs) well neither did i and the the the, the, the gist is that it's good that you got this car at this stage of your life the the only one i ever (laughs) tried to jump was my dad and bonus mom's red Cavalier station wagon. You actually did try to jump a car. Oh, I jumped that car. Oh, you did jump. Oh, what did yeah. You, what did you jump? I don't remember. It was it was this bump over some railroad tracks that I know if you drove fast enough, surely you would catch air. Right. And what a lot of people don't understand is physics, <laughs> because sure you'll you might actually get the tires off the ground, but what you've always failed to remember, I know I did, was that gravity will then enact on the engine. And nosedive the vehicle back into the ground faster than the ass end. Yeah, will come back down off the ground. And of course, back then I, <laughs> what did I care? I'm the I'm 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 literally Bo Duke, and I'm driving yeah. the, driving the General Lee. And what did the, you do to this car? Oh, I destroyed the front fairing <laughs> of the car. And <laughs> not not my best move. <laughs> But I, I proved that you could jump a car, you just shouldn't. Right. <laughs> and, you know, of course, as I got older, I realized that General Lee is actually supported by thousands of people that help make it look like the car is actually jumping. But when you see a car coming down at like a, a 68 degree angle, and then somehow it's just magically flattened out and lands and the suspension somehow carries it. The answer is stunt car. <laughs> and so what I didn't have when I was driving my my parents' red Cavalier station wagon <laughs> 
was was the stunt car part <laughs> and none of the people supporting anything. No. So <laughs> so you I, get I, down and you busted I, your mom's car. Yeah, I can remember my dad. My dad, he got in the car the next morning, and I, of course, wasn't around because I went to school early. Uh, 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 uh. And I remember getting home that day, and all I can remember is my dad's absolute look of disappointment because I didn't have a car yet. I had nothing. And he uh-huh. goes, so any idea what happened with the car? And I go, huh? <laughs> we were such horrible liars. Oh, dude. <laughs> I haven't gotten any better. Absolutely <laughs> phenomenally ungifted. <laughs> At trying to <laughs> cover the truth back then, and uh, anyway, the the the, uh, the most important surviving General Lee from Dukes of Hazard. Yes. For those of you that are not on the hate train of the Dixieland slash yeah. Rebel flag, right? I totally recommend that you go to the show notes over at WadeSense.com and check out this video, because not only is it a piece of nostalgia, it's literally a piece of history. Yeah. That is not only television based, but it is pop culture based yeah. which easily trumps being offended by a simple flag on the top of a bright orange car that literally is number one yeah in all of our collective memories yeah i'm gonna part with you on that because honestly and maybe it was just a little bit of our age difference the it's one our age difference th- shut up the one <laughs> the one that that that's still if I could have a car immediately in my collection, would be the black Trans Am yeah, from Smoking the, the Bandit. Bandit. That that's my number one. Yeah, that was the hottest, sexiest car yeah. as a little kid I've ever seen. There was a car show that I went to a couple of weeks ago. Very small, probably twenty, twenty-five, thirty cars max. Uh-huh. And inside of it was a completely redone, bones in and out General Lee mm. that was. Just terribly striking. I mean, like, yeah, you, it's a that, gorgeous car. I you, love that year. You look at a field of cars and then you go, "What the hell is that?" Mm-hmm. And it, 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 it's just true. I, I don't care what kind of car show you're in. I don't care what kind of car cars are there. There's going to be one car that instantly garners every piece of attention, and it has nothing to do with the rebel flag on the top of the car. It has everything to do with the majesty and attention grabbing. That is that 69 Charger. It's just magical. The only rendition of that that was more grabbing was the uh, the Roadrunner version that had the, mm-hmm. the, the nose cone and the great big tall spoiler in the mm-hmm. back. Mm-hmm. That grabbed your eyes. That was an amazing car, yeah. even for that era. Yeah. Anyway, that's my that's my first pick, Wade. Okay. On to your incredibly deep, profoundly impactful, <laughs> adulting, always specific, kick-assery Webbery. Web tubery. Uh, my second pick is about a kid by the name of Nick Hoot, who's a 15-year-old wrestler in the Heartland. It, it's Woodburn. I'm sorry I couldn't get on the, the newscast. I never got the, the where it took place. Anyway, he's a wrestler, and and that would be okay. Well, interesting enough. But here's the story. Nick was adopted. He was a Russian baby, and what makes Nick so special is that. Nick was partially aborted in the womb. He is missing part of both legs, and his fingers are not fully formed on either hand. But nothing stopped this kid. From the very time that he got brought home to uh, his adoptive parents. Um, it's, uh, it's Woodburn, Indiana. Woodburn, Indiana. Thank mm-hmm. you very sure much. Not. Okay, Woodburn, Indiana. From his adoptive parents, uh, she said that when they sent him home to the hospital— that he had this little bitty walker, just a teeny little thing. He, she said Nick used it for about two days 
threw it away. And after that, he was just hanging on to furniture, whatever he could have to. Mm -hmm. And he was off and he was running. Mm -hmm. That would be cool enough. But here it is. He's 15 years old. He's a wrestler. And apparently he is a fantastic wrestler. Mm -hmm. He's also tried his hand at baseball to the point where he was actually fast enough to steal a base. Mm -hmm. Uh, They showed him in basketball as well, in football. Nothing stops this kid. This family has actually adopted, I don't remember, there was something like 12 or, or, or 13, 14 kids, a ton of them. And all of them were different countries, and a lot of them had physical abnormalities. Mm-hmm. But this goes back to what I was talking about in the original story, or in the original part of our podcast. There are people out there that are willing to take babies, even babies with HAB issues. Let them decide. One final note on this story, I forgot to mention it. I have a technically a baby brother. He's 48 years old. He is a doctor in uh, Alabama. My Apparently what happened, I just found this out last year, my dad had gotten a woman pregnant. She put this child up for adoption. I don't even know if he knew. I, I won't know. He's, he's been dead since I was 18. But this child was put up for adoption and ended up becoming a doctor, and I believe he's a pediatrician, so he's helping other kids. So you just never know. There's... 62 million babies that have been aborted. We don't know what any of them could have been. We could have been wiping out geniuses left and right for all we know. I wanted that to talk about Nick Hoot, and uh, I look forward to seeing what this kid does. Mike? That reminds me of an offering that's on Netflix that you can watch, and it's the story of 21-year-old Zion Clark, who is a wrestler and a phenomenal one. Oh, yeah, by the way, he doesn't have half a body. Wow. Yeah. And so, I mean, there's all kinds of stories like that, just from probably every corner of the universe. Upper body strength of that kid has got to be phenomenal. Oh, it's absolutely no offense to him. It's freakish. It's, yeah. You know. Well, how else could you describe it? I, it's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing to watch all of it. More importantly, and it's why I recommend it, we'll put a link to it in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's just called Zion is what it's called. Okay. But you need to watch it not because of the freakish what is going on with this young man, but because of the freakish, how are these young men around him so incredibly brilliant mm-hmm. people? Because that that's what I find in the in the face of diversity like this. And I think of Diversity or adversity? Both. Oh okay. Both really the the, the adversity of being Literally half a man yeah. that could instantly, and especially in the gladiatorial arena of high school, right. instantly be the one to get picked on and kicked and ever, whatever the hell yeah, else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that he he has an entire team of friends mm-hmm. that th- they may stand taller than he does right. physically. Physically, yes. But he is a linchpin, literally, for mm-hmm. all of them, and they recognize that. Yeah. And I love that. I, I, I love that there can be... Elements of diversity like that, especially in a high school setting, mm-hmm. where there are bright, shiny spots of not the people that have whatever affliction slash difference, but the people around them that are able to just go, and that's Zion. And it it's just another dude that they rally around because he's got a skill set, and he's a, he's a piece. Right. He's a piece of the puzzle. Right. And... I love that. I love being able to see that rather than the um, the instant story that always has the most impact in a headline, which is teen bullied and beat down right. on Thursday afternoon after school or right. whatever. 
And it's great when we're able to focus on these other stories that really are happening and are happening regularly. Yeah. Uh, traditionally, I, I bring up my daughter in this instance as well, where, again, I remember high school being a literal gladiatorial arena mm-hmm. for anybody that was different or expressed a different train of thought or had some physical abnormality, blah, whatever. Ah, right. the retard. Gotcha. Exactly. Hey, awesome. Exactly. And, and I'm telling you, the gloves come off. If you, if you think adults are mean and cruel, <laughs> let me show you some mean and cruel inside of a high school scenario of probably any age forever. The most mean and cruel, though, is junior high. There's something about those those years that that seventh, eighth, ninth is just evil. Yeah. Anyway, the the, the, the gist is that when you we, when you see all these people that are shining, that are around people mm-hmm. that have either special needs or are just somehow physically different, that's what I find inside of stories like that that really make my day bright. Yeah, that's because, a great story. Yeah, it, it's tremendous. And again, it's uh, it's it's I think it's just called Zion, and we'll link to it inside the show notes for this episode. Okay. My second shallow YouTubery note this time <laughs> is specifically square on the protection. No, I'm not referring to condoms so as to not become pregnant and need an abortion. Yeah, okay. <clears throat> no, I'm referring to the hail protector. Are you ah, familiar with the hail protector? The hail protector. Uh, no, I am not. Okay. Well, you've heard of bouncy playgrounds, right? Yeah. For kids and stuff? Yes, okay. Yes. Well, now imagine that you made that an inverse bag. Okay. That was then put over your the top of your vehicle, oh. inflated with air, okay. and now protects your vehicle with the assistance of an app that gives you a 30-minute window warning of incoming hail. Oh, that's friggin' brilliant. It is brilliant. And the only thing more brilliant is the price point. How much? It's $300. When you consider $300 versus any amount of damage anybody has ever acquired in that a hailstorm. That is true. Whether it's just a, uh, let's say it's only a cracked windshield. Okay, mm-hmm. 250 bucks at least. Exactly. And most people don't have a $250 deductible. They've usually got a $500 deductible. Mm-hmm. Right. So for another 50 bucks. Your car, the complete car, not just the windshield, right. is completely covered by this device that looks like it looks like a giant deployed airbag. Mm-hmm. Your your car ends up looking like a giant baked potato. <laughs> In many cases, it takes up only the space of a traditional parking space, huh. so it's not thirteen feet wide by twenty nine feet long. So when it's inflated from the surface of the car to the outside, what a foot? There's probably a foot, foot and a half. Especially towards the top. That's no. not, that wouldn't take up that much space. No, and I don't know. One, uh, the bottom line is you're going to go move it to, if you're out, you're right. going to go move it to where you can. Right. The, the Achilles tendon of the whole thing is that you got to have power. And so yeah. if it's at your house, thumbs up. If you're at the parking lot at the at Walmart, mm, you got some issues. Although I think there's there may be power that's available at Walmart poles. So the for, car itself can't, obviously. I guess that well, the I, the car itself could if you had a, a very small generator or something that would provide the air power. Uh, bottom line, though, is that for three hundred bucks, especially oh. if you don't have an area like a garage right. to pull quickly pull your car in. Yeah, I think that that's a no brainer, especially if you got a, either a unique car or. Uh, the sample would be my 74 Custom Super Beetle. Mm-hmm. That is in a garage, and it is already covered, so I'm not so much worried right, about that right. one. But if I didn't have a garage, and I didn't have a car cover, it's a no-brainer. The car cover alone is 85 bucks. Yeah, especially so living spending... in the Midwest. Those storms can be just out of the blue. Oh, and yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah. 
Anyway, it's something that we'll link up to. We'll we'll link up to the hail protector as well as some uh, the actual instructional videos of how it inflates, so people can get an idea of it. And I'm telling you, at the price point, it's stupid peace of mind and better than any insurance policy that you're going to find because you've got to eventually pay a deductible, right. which is going to be usually more than 300 bucks. Dummy codes is something that is Mike and mine's favorite comment because who doesn't love to bitch and who doesn't love to bitch creatively? That would definitely be dummy codes. When I originally conceived the idea, it was meant to be laws that were put in place to protect us from the idiocy of others. And I've tried to actually conceive of the laws to go with the offense. Mike, this might just be a whole show in and of itself someday. My dummy code is honestly to be administered to all of us, to everybody who has not been paying attention, which is basically all of us. Here's what the gist of it is. There's 535 members of Congress. If you're at all a, a, a government political slash geek, then you know that. I know that. This is just one aspect of the problem. Out of 535 members of Congress, somehow 811 insurance industry lobbyists are needed. And big pharma lobbyists are 1,296. That's just for one particular special interest pain in the ass group that affects all of us. There's not one lobbyist for the people in and of itself. A duh. That has got to stop. Because if there's this many lobbyists just for insurance and big pharma, how many more are there? It is like one of the top paid professions that Congress people go into right out of Congress. And I, with that, there's not a conflict of interest there. So my dummy code is, is, is to all of us, and, and I don't know how to properly administer it because we all need to wake up and stop this process. Th th this is a major part of draining the swamp in Washington. The people aren't talking to the congressmen. It's the lobbyists who've got just their one interest in mind, and th this has to stop. Mike? Wait, do you have any plastic surgery that I'm unaware of? <laughs> no. Okay, just curious. And why haven't you gotten any plastic surgery, Wade? Because I'm gorgeous the way God made me. Oh, I have to totally agree there. <laughs> Thank God you weren't aborted. <laughs> Where are you going with this, Mike? Where I'm going is this week's dummy code for okay. Mike inside of Wade Sense, and it falls squarely on the shoulders of one Sharon Osborne. Oh. Who has announced that after her next facial reconstruction, uh -huh. she will have a new face for all of us to see and witness. Oh, how narcissistic can you get? And I, I guess I get it. I think the first time I started really understanding what was going on with plastic surgery in particular, but mm -hmm. one working on one's face, was right after the advent of HD television, which for many of our listeners is probably not too long ago, but mm -hmm. it's long enough ago that you might not remember it. I do vaguely, vaguely remember it. Uh, essentially what going from standard definition television to HD television did was every single imperfection on your face is now absolutely visible to everyone in every lighting condition. God, I might be scary in that kind of light. And, <laughs> and that's, that's what every single person finally started to take inventory of was how FUBAR is my face. Uh -huh. And what you could follow inside of especially newscasting 
regardless of the ilk of television, whether it was local television, national television, stars, celebrities, blah, what you could follow was as soon as that happened, everyone and their brother was getting some sort of plastic surgery done to their face so as to make things less bumpy and rocky and old, essentially. Uh, St. Louis was not unscathed by any stretch. You can look at what was and what now is, and you can see people that look pretty much completely different than what they used to look like. (laughs) Between Botox and actually having your skin stretched across your face, it's not kind. If you don't find the right people that will do it, you will look completely different. And to have the gumption to announce that you are going to look completely different than what you did. That's a dummy code I don't have the words for. I'm trying to imagine any, either of my parents or anybody that I know that is old enough to be my parent uh-huh. telling me that I'm going to go have work done, and by the way, you won't be able to recognize me. I'm not up for that. I, I don't know. I'm trying to understand, I guess because she's a television star. There was no aging with dignity anymore in our culture. I don't know. Very few people. I don't know. The gist is, could she save her money and, I don't know, give it to Ozzy to straighten out? Maybe maybe <laughs> he's, some surgery he's for him. Help. He's Something. beyond help. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. But anyway, my dummy code goes to Miss Sharon Osborne, who is ready to look different and you will like the new one that she gets. Just amazingly dumb. Over-the-top new and improved narcissism. <laughs> wow. Wisdom of the Ages is the thing that I think at some point will come out as being the shining light in our show that is just all about bringing to the forefront past gems of knowledge and showing them in the light of modern light and showing how they're still applicable to modern day. In this particular instance, I don't have a quote so much as a book that I would love to offer one that has been instrumental in my life, and I'm just going back and rereading it after, good Lord, probably 20, 30 years. Mm-hmm. It's called The Greatest Salesman in the World by Og Mandino. And the thing that you'll find reading this book is that success principles, and I guess it makes sense because people are people, they're, they're, they're still the same. But as I was reading the success principles in this book, and one is to be a slave to your habits, And another one was to go out and look at everything in love. And the other one was to walk in absolute fear. Fear is not an option for you. I'm I'm paraphrasing. But as I was reading this, do you know what I was thinking of at the same time? The thing that we just saw that uh, Jocko Willink just did, his video for PragerU where he's talking about his success principles. And I'm listening, I'm reading this book, and I'm hearing his words, and I'm just I'm thinking that it's so cool how Ogmandina wrote his book to be in the, the in biblical times, but people don't change. Mm-hmm. And even though it was written probably in the last oh I don't know thirty forty years, it's it's timeless. And here Jocko Willink is a creature of modern times, an incredibly powerful, successful man, common sense principles. And they were almost mirrored the same, different wording, but almost along the same lines as it was that Og Mandino put out. So mm-hmm. I would absolutely recommend. It's not a big book. It's not a long read. You can plow through it in a half hour, really. 
but uh, there are so many gems in there that you will pick up. Oh, that's great. I, I love the tenets of stuff that is truth, because regardless of who is penning it, it's mm-hmm. just truth. Yeah, what, Mike? I do. My wisdom of the ages comes from a coveted time in my life from 1977, 78, and 79. Great years. During which I was involved with a baseball team called the uh, Hoffman Estates Angels. Okay. And the Hoffman Estates Angels went to the Hoffman Estates Little League World Series those three years. Oh, fantastic. And destroyed everyone. <laughs> I was going to say, there were so, no angels on that team, were there? Uh, no. <laughs> I don't even know how the hell I got on that, that team. <laughs> our, colors were, our colors were purple and white and so appropriate. Okay. The, uh, the, the, the gist is that they are bold times in my life and uh-huh. stuff that absolutely structured me as a man. My dad left my mom and I in 1977. Right. And so for... Many years, probably until 1983 ish. Right. The only insight and input I had that was a male perspective mm-hmm. and, and cone of influence were the coaches that I had inside of organized sports. I wish I'd have had and, that. And potentially some of the idiots that tried to date my mom, who I then scared away and they never came <laughs> back. <laughs> but I did learn from all of them. There's no question. Okay. However, what I do remember specifically was from a man that wore the number 22 as a jersey while with the Chicago Cubs. For those that don't remember, I'll start with a quote. The dreams are that you're going to have a great series and win. The nightmares are that you're going to let the winning run score on a ground ball through your legs. Those things happen. I think a lot of it is just fate. That's a quote from... The one and only, and unfortunately now dead, Bill Buckner. Mm. And for those that don't remember Bill Buckner and weren't impacted by him as I was as a cub Mm -hmm. wearing number 22 for those three years, you will unfortunately remember him as the guy that, quote, let the ball go through his legs and the Red Sox lost the World Series to the New York Mets. And what... I, I think what I, I do take peace with, because I'm both a Red Sox fan as well as a back then Cubs fan, uh-huh. but more importantly, a true Bill Buckner fan. Uh-huh. Because while your career can and more often than not is made by one play yes. or one event inside of your career, the fact is that the man provided me with so much knowledge and leadership role that I modeled my left-handed batting stance after him when I was a kid. Really? And Did it help? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, there's no question. The gist of Bill Buckner, who unfortunately just died from, because of the impact of Louis body dementia, which is another terrible way mm. to die, akin to Parkinson's, oh. neurotransmitters being blocked, blocked. Oh. It, it, it's terrible. The, the the fact is that he has left a legacy on so many different people. And I really do take peace in that uh, the city of Boston, as well as the vast majority of people, have forgiven him for that error that not only made the most impactful memory for many, many people, yeah. but that they were willing to forgive someone that just had a bad day. Yeah. And that was fate. Yeah. And, uh, you know, again, a a total tip of the hat to Bill Buckner, who will last a lot longer in our collective memories than he did on a baseball card. 
And that's where we ask you guys, what kind of wisdom have you been privy to and want to share with us? Make sure you go over to our webpage over at wadesense.com. Fill out the quick web form and tell us what pearls of wisdom have you uncovered and want to share. We have reached the end of this show, and we do hope that you have enjoyed listening as much as we did recording it. And as always, please remember, you can either make excuses or you can have results, but you cannot have both. My name is Wade B. Olson, and this has been Wade Sense. Who doesn't love to bitch? And who doesn't love to bitch creatively? Creativitively? Cre- creativitively? Did I get that right? Creatively. Creatively. Thank you. Okay.